This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. So that's the hymn, day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. That's how Christ was able to cope with and remain silent in the face of really horrible circumstances because he was trusting in his father's wise bestowment and that caused him to have no cause for worry or for fear. Now what's important to see here is what Pilate was trying to accomplish when Pilate said to Christ in verse 13, verse 13, then said Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Pilate knew that Pilate was being pushed into crucifying Christ and Pilate didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And so he knew that it, it was for envy and not real crimes that Christ was brought to him. It says in verse 18, verse 18, he knew that for envy they del delivered him. So Pilate there, he wasn't altogether sure all the details about Christ when he asked him in verse 33, verse 33, Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, art thou the king of the Jews? I mean, he certainly found no reason, Pilate found no reason to kill Christ. Pilate said in verse 38, verse 38, Pilate saith unto him, what is the truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith to him, I find no fault at all. No fault at all, is what he said. So when Pilate asked Christ to respond, say something, to the charges against him, Pilate was looking for a basis to tell the Jews that Christ was innocent. He was the lawyer, Pilate at that moment was the lawyer, trying to get his client to give him some ammunition to fight against these people who were trying to put him to death. And when Pilate asked Christ to respond to the charges, there's almost like a desperation in Pilate's voice. As Pilate's trying to get him off the hook. He's trying to, Pilate's actually trying to get out of the trap that Pilate has been put into by the chief priests and the elders. It's not that Pilate cared so much for Christ and Pilate cares for Pilate. And he just didn't want to be forced by the chief priests and the elders to, he didn't want them to succeed 
in forcing him to kill Christ. That's the only reason that Pilate was asking Christ for arguments that Pilate could use to justify releasing Christ. But Christ would not give him those arguments because Christ was like the little boy playing baseball. He had his eyes on his father who wanted Christ to offer himself as a sacrifice for sins. So when Christ spoke, it was so unusual when he spoke, when he spoke in the past, that temple officers who had come to arrest Christ instead found themselves arrested by Christ, by his words. And they came back to the, the people who sent them from the temple in John 7, 7.46, John 7.46, the officers answered, never man spake like this man. When Christ was silent, it was so unusual that Pilate's just trying to get Christ speak. I can get you acquitted because you are the person who never spoke like any person ever spoke. And what Pilate is sitting there, when he's looking at Christ, he's saying, never man was silent like this man who's about to be killed. When Christ was silent, Pilate did not interpret Christ's silence as a contempt against Pilate. He didn't. And that's why Pilate didn't get angry with Christ. When Christ was silent, Pilate saw clearly Christ's silence was against Christ himself. And that's why Pilate just marveled and he didn't get angry in verse 14. Verse 14, he answered him to never a word in so much that the governor marveled greatly. I mean, Pilate's trying for his own personal reasons to stop Christ from going to the cross to die. And Pilate is trying to get the cooperation from Christ to help Pilate keep Christ from going to the cross to die. And I mean, this is a man, Christ is a man who had such power in his words. When he spoke words like he did in John 8, 7, John 8, 7, when Christ said to a group of murderous men, he said, he that is without sin among you let him cast a first stone at her, an adulterous woman. Murderous men at that scene had stones in their hands ready to kill a woman caught in adultery. When he said those words, those men, you could just hear the stones hit the ground. They dropped their stones from their hands and they abandoned their murderous intentions. Pilate knew that. Pilate knew that all Christ had to do was to speak, and that crowd of murderous church, chief priests and elders would have dropped their murderous intentions to kill Christ. But Christ didn't speak, and that's why verse 14, verse 14, the governor marveled greatly. And when Pilate saw that Christ was silent, Pilate understood. Pilate says, it's like he wants to go to the cross to die, and Pilate got that right. Pilate got that right. Even though Pilate didn't understand why Christ wanted to go to the cross to die, Pilate was right in seeing that Christ's silence was really, it was not that Christ did not want to die because it was like the little boy playing at the little league, and Christ had his eye on God the Father, and, and Christ had already said, in John 10, 17, John 10, 17, 
Therefore, does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. My father loves me because I lay down my life. And that's why he's silent at the, all these accusations that are being hurled at him that are gonna condemn him to die on the cross. He's keeping silence. He's very much, very much like God today. Very much like God today. He sees all, God today, he sees all the sinful rebellion against him. And yet God, like Christ then before Pilate, God keeps silence. God today, he hears all the sinful words that are spoken against him. Yet God, like Christ before Pilate, God today is keeping silence. Why is God keeping silent today as he sees all the sin and he hears all the sinful talk? Because there's one strong characteristic about God, and that characteristic is God is patient. Patient. Reminds me of when I was in the hospital over at UCSD, and, and I was, and the, and the Israeli cardiologist, my Israeli cardiologist came in, and uh, and I was asking him for this and for that. He said, now here's the Hebrew word that you must learn. <laughs> he said, it's the word patience, he told me. you know, I forgot what the word was, so that tells you about me. But anyway, God today is patiently waiting for each sinful person to do what the prodigal son did in Luke 15, 16, Luke 15, 16. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. All have sinned, all have sinned, and therefore all are sinful. And when a sinful person comes to himself, he asks himself two questions. He asks himself two questions. The first question is, where am I? How's that, how, how's that life working out for me apart from God? That's the first question. Where am I? And the second question is, what did I do to get myself here? Those are the two questions. Those are the two questions that the prodigal son asked. He asked himself, where am I? And his answer was, I'm in a pig pen starving and envying the pigs for the, for the food that they have. And when the prodigal son asked the second question, what did I do to get myself here? What did I do to get myself in this pig pen starving? His answer was, I sinned against God and against my father. And that was the beginning of his road back to God and to his father, a road of return a road of doing the best he could to turn the clock back to where he walked, to that point where he walked away from God and don't do it. Or that point where he walked away from his father and don't do it. A road to try to undo the past by doing what he should have done back then, obey God and his father. And that's why God's silent today in the face of all this blatant sin because 2 Peter 3.9, Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is long-suffering toward us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
And if the Lord's is, it, because if the Lord was not silent now and he moved into a swift judgment against sin, then it would be Psalm 130, verse three. Psalm 130, verse three. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Nobody. But because God is, 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God is silent. He's silent today. But there's a limit. There's a limit to God's silence. There's a limit to God's patience. One day, God's silence will stop. Psalm 50, verse 3, Psalm 50, verse 3, our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about. When that happens, when the silence of God stops, when the Lord breaks his silence, it will be with the roar of a lion. The roar of a lion, Isaiah 42, 13. Isaiah 42, 13. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. Hosea 11, 10. Hosea 11, 10. He shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. But not yet. Not yet. Because today is the day of God's silence. Today is the day of God's patience which gives us, as his followers, an opportunity to reach people with the gospel in the time that the Bible calls the daytime. The daytime. It's the daytime of God's silence because when God breaks his silence, it will be the nighttime when gospel work cannot be done. As Christ said in John 9.4, John 9.4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day, for the night cometh when no man can work. <clears throat> now, there was a custom. We don't know when it started, but it seems to be that it began during the time of the Roman occupation, during the time of the Roman governors. And it seems as though they wanted to do an honor to the Jewish people during the Feast of Passover. Because since the Passover is really <clears throat> a feast or a commemoration or a remembrance of how the Jews as prisoners in Egypt, heading for death, experienced a great deliverance and a freedom, it seems like the Romans decided to honor that, to start a practice at Passover time of releasing a prisoner to the Jews. This was not of God, this is a, it's not instituted by God, this customer releasing a prisoner. It was an invention of the Roman governors. And the time of this release custom was at the Feast of Passover, and this is what's behind the statement in verse 15, verse 15. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And so now Pilate wants to use this custom of uh, the Roman custom of releasing a prisoner at Passover as, as an opportunity for him to release Christ and get himself out of the bind that he feels himself in as he's forced to kill Christ. And, and so he, he, wa he wants to set up a competition. He has chosen the competitor to Christ. There will be a competition between Christ the prisoner and another prisoner named Barabbas. And this will be a competition to see who's released. Will it be Barabbas who's released or will it be Christ? 
So in verse 16, we read that Barabbas was a notable prisoner, which meant that Barabbas was famous. He was a famous prisoner because he was famously guilty of not just one crime, but three crimes. First, he was guilty of John 1814, John 1840, now 1814, 1840, John 1840. Now Barabbas was a robber. He was, he was a thief. Barabbas was a thief. Second and third, Barabbas was guilty of Luke 23, 19, Luke 23, 19, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. So Barabbas was guilty of murder and Barabbas was guilty of anarchy. He was guilty of inciting a riot of destruction. That's sedition. So this meant that Barabbas was guilty of stealing and murder and destruction, or steal, kill, destroy. And these are the characteristic of the three crimes that describe Satan in John 10.10, John 10.10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's Barabbas, steal, kill, destroy. That's Barabbas, the thief, the murderer, the destroyer. And on the other side of Barabbas was Christ, John 10, 10, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So there's the choice. The choice of the people was between the thief, murderer, and destroyer and the one who gives life, an abundant life. And what's clear is that Pilate wanted so much to release Jesus that Pilate chose the worst, the most famous prisoner that he had in, to be in competition with Jesus because Pilate thought it will be clear when I do this that the choice that I'm putting before the people between the goodness of Jesus and the worst of society represented in Barabbas, that surely the people are gonna choose Jesus over Barabbas, but Pilate was dead wrong because Pilate underestimated just how vicious the hatred was of the chief priests and the elders toward Jesus Christ. Pilate underestimated just how deep, just how strong, just how murderous the hatred of the chief priests and the elders were against Jesus Christ. It was not the Jewish people who had this murderous hatred toward Jesus Christ. It was their leaders, the chief priests and the elders, that had this vicious, don't stop until Jesus is killed, drive in them. The Jewish people were just deceived, they were misled. Their leaders had done this to them. As God said in Jeremiah 50, verse six, Jeremiah 50, verse six, my people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They've forgotten their resting place. God calls the Jewish people his lost sheep who've been misled and deceived by their religious shepherds. God has compassion on the Jewish people as they've been misled to be prejudiced against Jesus Christ. My life is dedicated to trying to overcome that prejudice among the Jewish people. That's what I do. And when you look at the Jewish people, look on a people who've been sadly misled and deceived. But when you look at, look at who did this to them, 
the rabbis, that's a different story. This is what God says about them in Ezekiel 34.2, Ezekiel 34.2. Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Ezekiel 34.10, Ezekiel 34.10, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more. I'll deliver my flock from their mouth that they may be meat for them. Zechariah 10.3, Zechariah 10.3, mine anger is kindled against the shepherds. The outrage of the Jewish people against Jesus Christ in pressing Pilate to crucify Christ was only there because their rabbis caused the people to be incensed against Christ. And the Jewish people had no idea why they're so enraged against Christ. It was the rabbis. Right now, I've, I have a friend who's a, um, a, a Jewish uh, film director, and he wants to make a film called Who is Jewish? He wants to come and, uh, and interview me in, the, in church and so forth. But, and he keeps saying, Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. Like, this is a big revelation. Because the rabbis have gotten the people to make idols out of themselves and of the words that they speak as being so important, even more important than the written word of God. That's what the rabbis have done. As a matter of fact, just the title rabbi is a sinister, devious title. Why? Because the word rabbi does not mean teacher. That's Rav or Rev. The word rabbi means my teacher. We do not find this term rabbi in the Hebrew scriptures. No. It was the advent of this group that hijacked the Jewish people away from the true God who taught the people, now you call me rabbi. And as they taught the people to call them rabbi, what they're taught the people to say is, my teacher, that's what rabbi means. It doesn't mean teacher, it means my teacher. What would you think of a teacher in a school when a little student says, uh, teacher, oh no, 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 you don't call me teacher, you call me my teacher. You'd say, that's a little domineering, that's a little dominating, that's a little overstepping. That's why I try to never call them rabbis. They're not my teachers. But for clarity, sometimes I have to use that term. But by using the title rabbi and getting the people to call them rabbi, they are subconsciously sinister, gaining control over the people by having the people say, my teacher, my teacher. Because after all, who would not agree with and who would not obey a person you call my teacher? The term rabbi is subtle but sinister. This is why Christ said about this sinister use of the title rabbi, driving submission, he said in Matthew 23, 6, Matthew 23, 6, they love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats at the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all you are brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. And what the deceivers do 
when they like to be called rabbi or my teacher is the same as what the Catholic Church does. When their leaders like to be called father, father, father. After all, honor your father. It's a term that drives a person into a submission because we're to honor our fathers. And so when the clergy and the Catholic Church take the term father, they do it in direct violation of what Christ said in Matthew 23. Matthew 23, 9. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.